Well, good morning. It was a beautiful day yesterday and it looks like it's going to be another beautiful day today. Glad you've decided to join us here on the podcast. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for your word, for your Holy Spirit, for your faithfulness. And you said, Lord, through your son Jesus, that we would know the truth and the truth would make us free and that your word is truth. And so, Lord, this morning as we dig into your word, as we we ask the Holy Spirit to come and to just give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Open our ears so that we can hear just wondrous things from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Every one of us has spent some time in prayer or quoting the promises of God over ourselves and over situations in our life. And there are times when our prayers are answered almost instantaneously. And sometimes when we're quoting a promise of God, we receive the manifestation of that promise just almost instantaneously. But oftentimes, between the time we pray or when we speak that promise and the answer to our prayer or the manifestation of that promise, there exists an interval of time. This interval of time is often called the problem. Now, Proverbs 13 and 12 explains this very, very well. Proverbs 13, 12, delayed hope make one sick at at heart, but a fulfilled longing is a desire of life. Let me say that again. Delayed hope makes one sick at heart. Since no one knows how long a time exists between the prayer or the promise and its happenings, if we want God to answer our prayer, we want God's response to our promise, it requires of us patient waiting. And it seems like everybody is waiting for something. If you're a young teenager, you're waiting to be able to drive legally. If you're a senior in high school, you're waiting to graduate and go on to probably college or trade school. If you're in college or trade school, you're waiting to get a job. If you've got a job, you're, you're waiting to get married. If you're already married, you may be waiting to have children. If you have children, you're waiting for them to grow up and stop spending all of your money. If your driver's license has expired, you're waiting in line to get it renewed. And the point I'm trying to make is everyone, everybody is waiting for something. Some people are waiting for test results from their doctors. Others are waiting to hear back from a job interview. Some people are waiting to get out of jail, while others are waiting on God to answer specific prayer requests. Bible-believing Christians are waiting for Jesus to come back. So you see, just about everybody is waiting for something. And you may not have thought about it, but we are not the first people to wait. The Bible is filled with examples of people who spent time uh, 
sometimes much time, in waiting. Noah waited many years for it to rain. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for their promised son Isaac. Joseph waited 13 years before his dream became a reality. Moses waited 40 years in the desert before returning to Egypt to lead God's people out of bondage. David waited many years to actually become king from the time that Samuel anointed him to David took the throne. Jonah waited three days to get out of the belly of the big flesh. The disciples waited in Jerusalem to receive the Holy Spirit. And there are many Christians today who are waiting for answers to their prayers. Waiting is, an, is often the hardest part of life. And many times most of us don't like waiting. We get impatient. And I want to share with you uh, four things that hopefully will make your time of waiting easier. I'll probably only have time to deal with two of them today. We'll deal with two of them to tomorrow. But I'm hoping that this time of, of teaching will help make your time of waiting easier. The first point I want to make is it is better to be too slow when making a decision than to make one too quickly. In other words, give God time and answer. Turn in your Bible to Proverbs 19 and 2. Proverbs 19 and 2 says it this way. Also, it is not good for the soul to be without knowledge. And he who hastens with his feet sins. The Amplified says it this way. Also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge. And he who hurries with his feet acting impulsively and proceeding without caution or analyzing the consequences, sins, and in parentheses it says, miss the mark. And I'll talk about that in a minute. God's Word translation says a person without knowledge is no good. A person in a hurry makes mistakes. And another translation says, enthusiasm without knowledge is not good. Impatience will get you in trouble. Back to the King James or the New King James, it said, He who hastens with his feet sins. That's a Hebrew word, and it actually means to miss the mark. And it carries with it the connotation of a, a bowman, a man, an archer, shooting an arrow and not quite hitting his target. He missed the mark. Many years ago, I was taking some classes from Golden State University. And we had a visiting professor who was talking to ministers about time management. And he had written a book called The Tyranny of the Urgent. But I'll never forget a statement that he made, and I always remembered it. He said, if it's a case of being too fast or too slow... I would rather be too slow because if I'm too slow, all I have to do is catch up. But when I'm too quick, too fast, then I mess up and then I have to stop and clean up and then I have to catch up. And he said, I am tired of cleaning up my messes. And sometimes when we get in a hurry, we do sin. We we simply get into sin. 
but there are other times when we get in a hurry, we just create a big mess for ourselves. Understand something, it is Satan who pressures us to act now, to get us to move now, make that decision now, or we're going to be too late, we'll miss out on a good deal, we'll miss out on an opportunity. Do you remember the story of Abraham and Sarah? Back in Genesis chapter 16, God had promised Abraham and Sarah in their old age, Abraham um, had gone to God and said, what good is all of this you've given me? I don't have an heir. And God said, you're going to have children. And Sarah got impatient and in Genesis chapter 16. The Bible says that Sarah sent her handmaiden in to Abraham to conceive and have children. Now, I want you to remember that verse of Scripture in Proverbs where it says that he that hastens with his feet sins or misses the mark. Remember, if you're too fast, you mess up. Well, the Bible says in Genesis 16 that once the child was born, Sarah became despised in Hagar's eyes. That was the name of her handmaiden. So all of a sudden, not only does Abraham have two women in the house, but these two women are at each other's throats. It created his getting in a hurry, submitting to not waiting on God, created a problem at that time in their home. Read Genesis chapter 16. But do you know that that mess created a problem that is still ongoing today? Because the descendants of Hagar, Sarah's handmaidens, her son's name was Ishmael. And his descendants are the prophet Muhammad and the Arabs. And to this day, the Jews have trouble with the Arabs. And so it is better to be late in making a decision than to make one too quickly. Whenever we allow ourselves to be pressured into acting now, at this time, so that we get ahead of God, we will pay the price. Um, we have God's promises that He will guide us in all situations. We have His promise of that. From the smallest to the largest situation, we have to learn to wait for that guidance. Look at Isaiah 42, 16. And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. He's not talking about physically blind here. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light. The darkness he's talking about is lack of knowledge. I will turn the darkness before them into light. The rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. Listen to Lamentations 3, 25 and 26. The Lord is good to everyone who trusts in Him. So it is best for us to wait in patience to wait for Him. Jeremiah 33.3 Call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and wonderful things which you do not know. And then a, a scripture that almost every Christian I know knows. Isaiah 40.31 but those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When we make a decision too quickly, more often than not, it is the wrong decision and we have a mess on our hands. And that mess just seems to drain the strength out of us. Remember I just read you Isaiah 40, 31? But those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. We, it, when we have a mess on our hands, I can remember, I can remember years and years ago when I was dealing with a problem that I had dealt with before in my life. Matter of fact, a couple of times before. And I went to the Lord and I just said, God, how come every couple of three, four years, this problem keeps coming back? Why do you keep bringing me back around the mountain? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Owen, he said, what happens every time you, this problem comes up in your life? And I said, well, Lord, it takes up my time. Sometimes it costs me money. And it just drains the strength out of me. And then the Holy Spirit took me to John 10.10. 10. The thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. And the Lord says, look at it. Steals your strength. Kills your joy. And it destroys your witness and your time. Oh, and I'm not bringing these problems around to you. You don't wait on me to give you the answer to this problem. And that's why it keeps coming back. Well, that makes a lot of sense. If you've got a problem coming around in your life, maybe you need to stop and take a look at it. But remember Isaiah 40, 31? But those who wait upon the Lord? Well, most of the time, Christians know Isaiah 40, 31, but they don't put it in its context. And Isaiah 40, 31 starts out with, But... But is a conjunction that changes what came before it. So I'm going to put Isaiah 40, 31 in its context. I'm going to go back to Isaiah 40, 28 and read. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And so the first thing I want to share with you this morning, in making a decision, it's better to be late in making a decision and to make one too quickly. Second thing I want to talk to you about is when we wait on the Lord, we give Him time to work on the other ends of things. Not only is our God omnipotent, He's all-knowing. Not only does our God have all the ability that is ever needed to solve any problem, but God's timing is impeccable. Go with me to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says this, But when the right time came, one translation says, But in the fullness of time, 
the Amplified says, But when in God's plan the proper time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the regulations of the law. Notice that. God didn't just throw the dice out there and say, Well, I guess this is a good time. I'll, I'll send my son now. No. But when the right time had come. In other words, when everything was in proper order. When we petition God for something, whether it be through prayer or through his promises, more often than not, it involves other people and their, and their will. It may involve a company. It may involve finances. And when we wait, then we give time, God time, to prepare that path for us. Let me give you an example. Look how many years God waited to bring Jesus into the world. Stop and think for just a minute, if you will. All that he had to go through from the time way back there in Genesis chapter 3, when he gave that prophecy to the serpent. That Go, go there with me to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, I'm, yeah, Genesis chapter 3, But the Lord said to the serpent, verse 14, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. I will put open hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Do you know how many years went from that time of that prophecy to when Jesus was born in Bethlehem? God had to find a man that he could go to and say, hey, I want you to leave your country and I'll show you where I'm going to take you. God had to work through time and time again. God had to find a little bitty shepherd boy who wouldn't be afraid of a 10, 11 foot giant and who would be willing to sit on the throne. God had to work through people until he finally came to the point of where he found a little bitty girl from a remote uh, Jewish community who was willing to have a a um, child out of wedlock. He had to work through all these people to bring it to pass. Let me put it closer to home. My wife and I, about 48, 49 years ago, had just come to Christ. I was working as a, I quit singing in nightclubs. I was working, I think, in concrete. And uh, we were living in a small one-room apartment. But things were going well. Things were a little tight. We were just learning about tithing. And I remember that we uh, had got paid. We had filled our gas tank. And I think we only had $5 for groceries that week. But we didn't tell anybody. We spoke to God. That was it. I think payday was on Friday. We had $5. We filled up our tank so I could go to work every day. We spoke to God. We didn't say a word to anybody. We went to church on Sunday morning. And by the time we got out of church that day, we were invited out every night that week to eat. God had met our need. I remember when we moved from, we were in Texas and I was working for Texas Instruments. And um, 
we had felt the leading of the Lord that we wanted to go to Colorado, that God wanted us to move back to Colorado. And I didn't know. I had bought papers from Denver, newspapers, and we were looking at jobs, but just nothing seemed to go. But we have learned to wait upon the Lord, and we were comfortable waiting upon the Lord. I was working for Texas Instruments, and one of the vice presidents of operations that I worked with, I never he never was my boss, but I had worked with him and, and been in staff meetings. He left the company, and he took over a company in Colorado. And about a month after he was gone, he called me and said, I've got a manufacturing company up here. I need somebody to run it. Will you run it? To make a long story short, we prayed about it. They paid for my move. They put me on the payroll. They gave me a real estate agent to find me a home. But see, their God had moved upon a company and an individual so that we could fulfill his plans. I remember uh, one time when we were, uh, we had decided to leave Texas. We had, um, we had gone from a denomination to a non-denominational organization. And we were going to move from South Texas up to Ohio. And we needed a thousand dollars. And, um, we went and, and said goodbye to Sherry's parents, and it was on a Wednesday night, and we were going to go to church that night. And I don't mind telling you now, we were kind of hoping, well, gee, you know, maybe maybe they'll ask me to preach and there'll be a big offering or something for us. I mean, let's be honest, I'm a human being. And um, there weren't a lot of people in church that night, and they did take up an offering for us because they said we're moving, but it wasn't enough to barely get us... 300 miles down the road. And just as we were in our car and getting ready to leave, I remember playing over it, praying over that offering and saying, God, you know what we need. We were getting ready to leave and an elderly gentleman in Biv Overhalls came up and he said, God spoke to us and told us we need to be a part of your ministry. And he handed me a check. The check was for $1,000. See, there are several paths in life that we can take. There's the path that Satan has for us. But John 10.10 10 tells us that that path is designed to steal, kill, and to destroy from us and to destroy our life. We can choose our own path, what we want to do. But Proverbs 14.12 and Proverbs 16.25 tells us that there's a way which means seems right to a man and appears straight before him, but its end is the way of death. Or we can choose the path that God lays out for us. Jeremiah 29.11 tells us that God's path and plan for us is to give us a future and a hope. John 10.10 10 tells us that the plan that God has for us is for us to have a life in abundance. To have all sufficiency in all things so that we can abound toward every good work. And Psalm 65.11 says this, You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. And see, we get to choose the path we want in life. 
Turn with me in your Bibles real quickly to Leviticus chapter 24. Leviticus chapter 24. There's a short story there I want to read. And it's only three verses. And if you're reading Leviticus, it's very possible that you've missed this story. Leviticus 24, I'm going to start in verse 10. One day a man who had an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father came out of his tent and got into a fight with one of the Israelite men. During the fight, this son of an Israelite woman blasphemed the name of the Lord with a curse. So the man was brought to Moses for judgment. His mother was a Shelemite, the daughter of Debri of the tribe of Dan. And they kept the man in custody, put him in jail, until the Lord's will in the matter should become clear to them. When I read this story, it's very interesting. Number one, they neither mention the father nor the son's name. But these two, this father and this son, got into a confrontation and it got so emotional and heated that the son blasphemed the name of the Lord. Now let me just stop and say this. Whenever we get into strife of any kind, there's no telling where it'll be. Now up until this time, God had given Moses uh, the Ten Commandments. He had given him uh, the civil laws, dietary laws. But nowhere in the Bible did I see what should be done with someone who blasphemed the name of the Lord at this time. And verse 12 said, They kept the man in custody until the Lord's will in the matter should become clear to them. I love the fact that rather than act on their own judgment, well, we just need to put him, we just need to kill him. Rather than act on their own judgment, they waited to do God's will. You know what? This is what we as Christians need to learn to do. When we need to learn to put our decision-making process in prison, so to speak, until we hear from God. Lock it up and say, I'm not going to do anything till I hear from God. When we wait on God, when we have a prayer that that isn't been answered or we're quoting a problem or a situation, it's better to be slower in making a decision than to be too quickly. And when we wait upon God, we give Him time to work on the other end with the will of people and with, with, with uh, sometimes corporations or financial institutions. Oftentimes, as we begin to pray, an ideal will come into our mind and we stop right away. We get in a hurry. Oh, well, I prayed five minutes and I've got this idea and I know this idea is from God and I go to it. No, 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 no. Let me tell you, when you have an idea, two things. Number one, that idea needs to be in line with the Word of God and that idea needs to bring peace with it. It needs to bring peace you don't feel a peace, I can tell you that's not of God. You're acting too quickly. So I don't know what you're praying about this morning. I don't know whether you're, whether you've been diagnosed with an illness. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a loved one, a sibling, a, 
a spouse. It may be financial. It, it may be a business. It may be what church to go to. I don't know what it may be. But let me encourage you this morning. God loves you. And God wants to guide you and lead you in His path. Because His path drips with abundance. His path uh, gives us hope in the future. His path lets us have all abundance in all things. And so I, I want to encourage you this morning. Whatever you're praying about, whatever promise you're beginning to, you've been speaking over a situation, don't get in a hurry, but trust the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I so love your word. And Lord, I love you and I love your faithfulness. And Lord, one of the fruits of your spirit is faithfulness. You're a faithful God. You hasten your word to perform it. Now, sometimes what we consider hasten and what you do is two different things, but you're always on time. You have impeccable timing. And Lord, I know that there are people out here who are listening to this podcast who are waiting on something. It may be waiting on a spouse. It may be waiting on a, a sibling. It may be waiting on a job. It may be uh, waiting on a, on a doctor's report. It may be waiting on a disease or an illness to go away. But God, let us make up our mind. We're going to trust you and we're going to wait for you. And then you know what? We won't lose our strength. And we'll, we'll mount up with wings like an eagle. And you'll come to our aid in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to cover the other two next week. You have a blessed week.